The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke in the sixth chapter. And Jesus came down with them and stood at a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their disease. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured and all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I invite you to be seated. The world has always been a place where different divinities compete with each other. A lot of times when we read, especially from the Old Testament, but many times when we read the New Testament, we imagine that the people in the text, the people in the stories that we read, are somehow different than we are. That they're not people that woke up every morning and got dressed and had stress in their homes and had to you know, figure out what the paycheck was going to look like this week or next week. And so we imagine that, you know, that... 
once upon a time, a long, long time ago, people, you know, lived in a mysterious world and, you know, they believed in all kinds of weird things that were happening all around them all the time. And, you know, we're much more enlightened now and we understand science and we have computers and, you know, we, we just, we, we live in a very much a, a demystified sort of a world. But the, the fact is that, first off, we don't really live in a demystified world. You only have to talk to people for just a little while before you hear about all of their good luck rituals uh, and and the you know the the various conspiracy theories that we hold to even even those of us who imagine ourselves to be above <laughs> conspiracy theories where we all have sorts of superstitions and mysticism that we hold to day in and day out so that hasn't changed but also the people in that time held on to religious practices because that was a part of their culture but people weren't necessarily more religious in the ancient world than they are now it was just a part of what they did. But the truth is that in the midst of the church, there's always been a competition between the divinities of the world and the divinity of Christ. There's always been a competition between the gods that are outside and the God who has revealed himself to us in the person of our Savior, Christ. That's always been true. And while in the ancient world, it was possible to, to wander down the street and just see idols everywhere. To see grand temples that were uh, erected to, to, these, to these various deities. Um, in fact, to, to, to know and possibly even to see men and sometimes women who imagined themselves to be the personification of those deities. Just walking around, doing the things that people do. That was normal then. But the fact is that in the world that we live in now, we have just as many idols. We hold them in our hearts and we hold them in our homes. And we have just as many temples, grand temples to ideas and concepts that we believe in. We even have national deities and people who imagine themselves to be the personification of those ideals. The trouble for us is that when we think about God, so often we think about him in terms of what we can understand. Right? We, we think that we can put God into a box and we create these caricatures in our mind. And I don't say this... To, to make fun of people who aren't Christian. I say this to make fun of those of us who are Christians. <laughs> because we create caricatures of God, and of course of Jesus, and of course of the Holy Spirit. The way that God has revealed God's self to us, we, we don't understand it. And so rather than sort of sitting in that uncomfortable place where we don't know, and we don't perceive, and we don't fully understand, we create caricatures. It's something small and something tactile, something that we can hold on to and we can draw pictures of, something that makes us comfortable because it's something that we can control. And those visions, those versions of God that we have, they may look a little bit different from one person to the next, but honestly, they look pretty similar. You know, on the one hand, you've got the sort of cosmic killjoy. You've got God as the... the, the the heavenly policeman, and he's just waiting for you to mess up so that he can, you know, push the smite button and, and unleash impending doom upon you. 
And if it's not that, then it's usually something like a, you know, a grandpa in the sky. He just sort of sits there and smiles at us. And if we ask real nice, he gives us all the things that we want because really he just cares about us being happy. Or maybe it's my best friend, Jesus, you know, the sort of buddy Christ who's always there and he can, he can hang out with us and he just wants us all to feel better about ourselves. Or maybe it's the American Jesus where, you know, we, we drape him in our flag because that's how, that, that's how we envision things, that this is, this is a, a God who is always on our side and he doesn't have anything, anything to say about the values that we hold dear. And yet here, we read this morning from the Beatitudes. We read from the Beatitudes in Luke's gospel where Luke is describing to us the way that Jesus describes his work, the way that Jesus describes to us what the good news is. And he starts off by healing people. The people come to him in huge crowds and his power is made manifest among them and he heals them of their diseases says that they sought him out so that they could touch him and that power came out of him and that people were being healed. And then he looked at his disciples and he says this to them, not, I have come to make your problems go away. Not, I've come to make all of your wishes come true. Not, I've come to make sure that whenever you mess up, you get a big old smiting. Not, I've come to make sure that your dreams of a nation are going to be realized. What he says to them is, in God's kingdom, the poor are blessed. In God's kingdom, the hungry are satisfied. In God's kingdom, those who weep are comforted. In God's kingdom, those who are excluded and those who are left outside are brought in. And he says, in God's kingdom, the rich have gotten all they're going to get. And in God's kingdom, the ones who have had enough to eat aren't getting to go back around for seconds. And in God's kingdom, the people who are merry and who laugh now will be filled with mourning. And in God's kingdom, the people who are lauded and praised by the people around them are going to be revealed for who they really are. That is not a speech that will get somebody elected to public office. It's not a speech that will get you promoted in the church. It's not a speech that will make us successful in the communities where we live and where we work. This is not a good way to make friends and influence people. (laughs) And yet, this is exactly the way that God in Christ describes what God's kingdom looks like. That in God's kingdom, the things that are lowly are the things that are honored. And the things that are honored are brought low. Later on in the Reformation, the church is going to talk about the difference between the theology of glory and the theology of the cross. What Jesus is preparing his disciples for and what Jesus is preparing us for is that life in God's kingdom looks like you and I shaping ourselves into the cross, shaping our lives into crosses. 
He's going to say over and over and over again in Luke's gospel and in each of the gospels that that is what God's kingdom looks like. It looks like doing the things that we see the master doing. And what we see the master doing is not making himself important. It's not giving people all of the things that they want all the time. It's not making sure that he has all of the things that he wants. It looks like giving ourselves up. It looks like setting aside our hopes and our dreams. And instead, beginning to dream the dreams that God dreams for us. To look at the world and say, what does God imagine that this place could be? And then to join him in that work. Not what do I think my life would be if I could just change X, Y, or Z. But rather, what is God calling me to do right here, right now, in this moment? See, the temptation for us is to read the Beatitudes in Matthew and in Luke and to imagine that what God is saying is, if you are poor, then you are blessed. But that's not what he's saying. These aren't if-then statements. What he's describing for us is what life in the kingdom looks like. It looks like not pursuing our own advancement. It looks like not putting ourselves before the people who are around us. It looks like not ignoring things around us that make us sad or uncomfortable. It looks like stepping outside of the safe places in our lives to be right there alongside and beside the people who are left outdoors, the ones who are left on the margins, the ones who are pushed away and forgotten. He says that's what God's kingdom looks like because that's what Jesus is doing all the time. That's what Jesus is doing through the entirety of his ministry. And if that's not what we want, then we need to be honest and say we don't want Jesus. The truth is that all of us are like that crowd gathered around him, seeking to touch him, seeking to have him pour out his power and heal us. But we forget that when God heals us, God is upending the powers of the world. Because the powers of the world that we live in are sin and death and the devil. And the kingdom of God, the homeland of God's saints, is not a place where there is sin and death and the devil. It's instead a place where there is life. And it's a place where there is healing. And it's a place where we are in the presence of God himself. Being a part of God's kingdom means replacing the culture and the values of sin and death and the devil with the culture and values of heaven, of God's kingdom. It means looking honestly at our lives and saying, where are the places where right now I am poor? Where are the places in my life right now where I am hungry? Where are the places in my life right now where I feel sorrow? Where are the places where I am marginalized? And how can I experience God 
at work with me, sitting alongside me in those places. And where are the places in my life where I have too much? And where are the places in my life where I consume everything around me? And where are the places in my life where I ignore suffering? And where are the places in my life where I push people out to the margins? And how can I reach out and touch Jesus and be healed from that sin and that brokenness in my life? Right now, today, what do you need to be saved from? Is it too much or not enough? We all need to be saved from those things all the time. The too much and the not enough. And Jesus is inviting us here into his home, into his kingdom, into his household to set us free from too much and not enough. To allow him to become all in all. To allow him to satisfy every one of our needs. To allow our hearts to be changed into hearts that are fit for service in his kingdom. That's his invitation to us today. To draw near to him. To draw near to his throne. To allow him to heal us. To reach out and touch the God who is all and is in all. Who can set us free from not enough. Who can set us free from too much. This is the God who calls us this morning to his table. Calls us into his presence. Calls us to be saints in his kingdom. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.